Shavuot Tov, and welcome back to Perek Gimel. Our learning is dedicated to Yaakov Alevi and for Fuah Shleima, for Tehila Bavya B'chaya Tova, Brach Rachel Kita, Yedidya Chaim, and Aviva Rivka Chaya, and Shaduchim for all those in need. Last week, last week we ended with the spies returning. And we're going to pick up exactly from there. Pasuk Aleph, Vayashkem Yoshua Baboker, Vayisume Hashitim, Yoshua gets up in the morning and he travels from Shittim. And what happens? He comes to the Yardin, he and all the Jewish people, and they stay there until they're ready to leave. A couple interesting points. First off, what's with Shittim? Tells us once again they're at Shittim. If you read the article by Rav Moshe Lichtenstein, then you know this already. But for those that did not, and it was a long, long article, he points out the beauty of Shittim when you take into contrast the people, the spies, called them Pinchas, and Rachav. What's the deal with them? This is the deal with them. You have Yehoshua, who's leaving from Shittim. Shittim is a place that the Jewish people sin terribly in Po'or. And so what exactly is going on here? The Jewish people find themselves in this situation where they're traveling from Shittim, the place of this terrible sin, they're leaving. And where are they going to? They're going to Eretz Yisrael. Who do they send? They send Kalev and Pinchas. Kalev and Pinchas are people that are uniquely dedicated people. Kalev does not succumb to the Miraglim, the Miraglim who are willing to let their passions and their desires and their feelings get the best of them. Kalev says, no, no, I won't do that. And Pinchas, who's Pinchas? Pinchas is the avenger of Shittim. He sees the Jews sitting and he says, no, no, we don't behave like that. And so you have those people and they come to Rachav. Rachav is a person who is so not loyal. She actually, for the very first time in her life, she finds loyalty. Loyalty to who? Loyalty to the Jewish people. Loyalty to her family. All of those things. They become the perfect point of departure from this model of infidelity to the Jewish people coming to Eretz Yisrael with the goal of being dedicated, devoted, loyal servants of Hashem. So they get up in the morning. Now, the, the question that we have is, what is going on here? When did they leave? What's the calendar? What's the timing of everything? So on the screen is a beautiful calendar that hopefully will help us a little bit. It is the opinion, perhaps, of the Malvin and a few others. Moshe Rabbeinu, da, Moshe Rabbeinu gives Tochacha to the Jewish people on the 7th of Shvat. That is the last 30 days sacred Dvar. The 7th of Adar is the tradition that we have that Moshe does. Okay, beautiful. There's an opinion that's, that, that's given that, no, you know, Moshe died on the 7th of Shvat. Not Mekubal that way, but it's an opinion. 7th of Nisan, the Shloshim ends, and Yeshua tells the people, time to pack, we got to leave. And there's three days. The 10th of Nisan, they cross. That we know for sure, because if you look at Parag Dalid, Pasuk Yudet, you'll see that is the day, the 10th of Nisan, that the Jewish people crossed into the land of Israel. So where does our story start? When we say Yoshua got up in the morning, what's it talking about? This is what happened. Yoshua, according to the Malbim, on the seventh day, Yoshua commands the Jewish people to prepare. On the eighth day, the spies return. On the ninth day, Yoshua gets up in the morning. That's our passage right here. And he tells us, he tells the people, time to prepare. 
were getting ready, not in Sheetam anymore, but by the banks of the Jordan River. And then on the 10th day, they crossed the Yarvi. Now, the only thing with that is, if that's the case, and the spies, in order has been gone for three days, which we know from back in Parak Bet, is what happened. In order for that to be the case, they had to have been sent off before the Shloshim of Moshe Rabbeinu was over. Now, if you accept that Moshe Rabbeinu died on the 7th of Shvat, it becomes a little bit easier because then by the 7th of Adar, the Jewish people were already done and you, it gives you more wiggle room for your three days. But that's the opinion of the Malbim. Uh, the Alkut Shimoni says that Boker, why does it say Yashkem Yoshua Boker? Boker is a time to Davin. Abraham gets up in the morning, Davins. Yaakov gets up in the morning, he Davins. Shmuel, Yermiao, they get up in the morning to Davin. Perhaps it's the time of clarity. I, I find at least for myself, I am a morning person, so perhaps for other people, not as much. I find that the morning, I have a clarity to my thoughts. I go to shul early and I'm in a good, clear place generally when I start my day. I find that Mariv is rough, Just especially if you're down in Mariv late, 10, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night as the day is wrapping up. You're just, you're fried. But we know it is a time that is mikubal to be a great time for Tfiba. And that's that's what happens. Now, the third day is not the ninth of Nisan. Why wait till the 10th? Um, Ral Bag says day is day is clearer for miracle. Meaning if they're ready on the ninth to go by the by the end of the day, why not cross there? Why do you wait until the following morning to cross? Says the Ral Bag, when you cross by day, everybody knows what's going on. You cross by night, not so much. It should be clear as everyone. Now we we know this from Yitzhak Paro says in the middle of the night, let's go, get out of here. You don't actually leave until the following day. Why is that? That is a clearer miracle when everybody could see it. It is at the end of the three days, or perhaps in the middle of the three days, which would be day nine. They come out in the more, and they give the following message to the Jewish people. When you see the Aron Habrit of Hashem, when you see it moving, and the Kohanim Halavim, Rashi points out, Kohanim, you shave it, Levi. When you see that, that it's going, what do I want you to do? You should follow the Andrew. Rashi tells us something amazing. He says, This is different than all the other travels. Normally it was, we had the cloud and the fire that fought, that start, that led the Jewish people. And then you had two of the Degalim go. And then the Aaron was in the middle. Not the case anymore. The Aaron would be in the, the lead of the Jewish people. That was what was going to happen. Okay. That is our story. Now, if you compare how they traveled between Yoshua and Bamidbar, you'll come up with a couple things. The Aaron was carried here. Koanim Halavim. Rashi says, Koanim Yishevet Levi, but the Koanim carried it. It was not the case in the Midbar. In Bamidbar, when we're talk, told about the Aaron was carried by the Levian. 
with the two Degalim before, two Degalim after, cloud and fire in the front. Here, the Aron is in the front, followed by the people. The exception, of course, is Bamidbar Yod, Pasuk, Lamid Gimel, Lamid Aleph, where the Aron goes ahead of the Jewish people, way, way ahead. It goes three days, in fact, ahead of them. Why is that? It goes three days ahead of them because it is going to clear the way for the Jewish people. The only thing that stops that is, unfortunately, that's Parsha Balotcha, Parsha Tzlach, with Chaytam and Rathman. Okay. Achrachok yebeneichem uveinav kalpayim amam. So, but there should be a 2,000 ama distance separating you and the Aro. Not three days, but there should be 2,000 amo. Um, Rashi points out that this is Beinechem u Veinav, but Beinav is not spelled Bet Yod Nun Vav, it's spelled Bet Yod Nun Yod Vav. That's how it's, uh, that, right? That, that's, uh, that's how it, we, we say it. So why is it? Because it's two Aron. It was the Aron of Hashem, as well as the Aron of Yosef HaTzadik. Now, why are they closer now? Why is it 2,000 Amot as opposed to the three days the first time they were supposed to go to Israel? They need to be as close to the Aron as possible to succeed. That perhaps is the message of what is going on here. Okay? What are we told? That's the amount you need. You did not go this way in the past. This is something completely, completely new for you. So you have to be ready for it. Okay. That is our story. Yoshua tells the people, get ready. Hashem is going to do miracles tomorrow. Do they know what the miracles are? Not yet. Yoshua tells the Kohanim, I want you to carry the Aron Abrit and go, go before the people. And they do that. They go in front of the, of the people. This is exactly what was predicted in Paragalim. No descent. The people are going to be great. They're all listening. Now, I just want you to listen carefully. Aron Abrit. Aron Abrit. Rev Remer. Rev Avram Remer in his Sefer. It's a beautiful Sefer. Uh, called Mavor Ha'aretz. Sefer of Yosur of Yoshua as they go into the land. He points out 10 times in our parak, Aron Habrit. Not Aron HaKodesh, not Aron Hashem, Aron Habrit. Why is that? Something to think about. If you have an answer, send it my way. Now we'll hopefully uh, learn a little bit more later in the week, or perhaps Perek Dalit. And this is what's going on. Vayom HaShem Yoshua, Hayom HaZeh Achel Gadelcha Beinei Kol Yisrael, Asher Yedun, Ki Kasher Hayiti, Imoshe Eyeima. God says to Yoshua, today I am going to make you great in the eyes of the people that they will know that just as I was with Moshe, I will be with you. In my opinion, this is the Vayaminu Bashem of Moshe Do moment for Yoshua. The people had a lot of questions. We're currently reading Shmot, Vayera, Bo. I, I would tell you that when you read these, these parshio carefully, see what they think about Moshe. It's not so clear that Moshe is everything in the eyes of the people just yet. They're going to get there. But the moment that is most clear that everybody truly sees it is Vayaminu Bashem Moshe At the moment of Kriyat Yamsuf, there's no questions. Nothing at all. Everybody says he is the leader. They believed in him 
100%. I believe that these psukim are the same thing for Yoshua. Hashem tells Yoshua, Achel gadelcha yourself. Today it's going to happen. They're going to believe in you. They're going to see how great you are. And I want you to tell the the Kohanim that are carrying the Arun, that when they get to the place that they're going to cross, that's where they should stay. Stop there. Okay? That is the command. If I had to sum up Pazak Zayin and Chet into two instructions, Zion says, today you're going to be great, Yoshua. The people will know that. And Chet says, the Kohanim have a, have a job to do. Go to the edge of the Ardain and stop. Which means that the Aron Habri, which is leading the Jewish people, it's not leading them all that far. It's going to lead them from the banks of the river to the river itself. It didn't lead them from Shittim to the banks of the river, and it's not going to lead them across the bank of the river just that small distance. So it's again, a good question. What is going on there? What is the purpose of that? But now I need to take a look at Pasuk Tet. Pasuk Tet, Yud, Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, Yud Gimel. This is the, what Yoshua tells Kalal Yisrael. It says, guys, come here. Everybody come here. I want you to hear what God has to say. Okay, everybody come here. Now, what does that exactly mean? What's going on here? So Rashi says something amazing. And I want you to, I want you to think about this for a moment. Because sometimes when, when we're given something midrashically, we say, okay, I could buy that. And sometimes when we hear something midrashically, it is a challenge. And we really wonder, is this meant for us to take literally or is there a deeper meaning here? I'll give you an example. Last week, Perik Bet, the Tumar Aglim, Shana Shim, the Cherish Lemon. We don't know who they are. And the Medrash tells us, fills in blanks. It's Kalib and Pimpas. When I hear that Medrash, I don't question that. They're two spies. We don't know who they are. And the Medrash fills in, it's Kalib and Pimpas. Do I get twisted in a knot? Say, I don't know. That's right. Buy that. That's a hard one. Don't no, really. Because you need two people. Kalev and Pinchas are viable candidates. Kalev was a successful leader of the Jewish people. He was a successful spy. He was the head of Shevet Yehuda. He's what we would call a macher. And Pinchas, same thing. Two good people. But this Madrash is completely different. It says like this. Yoshua says, Go Shuhena, come here. They all fit between the badim of the Aaron. The Aaron's badim, the poles of the Aaron, are not that big. You're talking about a couple square feet. Rashi is saying that all of Kalal Yisrael fit into that one place. And he says, It's one of the places that a little, small place held everyone. It's not the only place we have. Moshe Rabbeinu had everybody by the rock. But somehow, when everybody was by the rock, that's so bothersome. Stadium seating. The rock is in the middle. You have people all over. All right, maybe some people are back seats. Some people are in the upper deck. 
it's something I can understand and deal with a little bit more. The Bateyarum, for everybody to be there, what exactly is going on? To think about that. So perhaps, perhaps we have an answer. First, let's take a look at a couple more of the Pesukim. Yoshua says, everybody come here. He has everybody right by him. And then Yoshua says in Pasagur, This is how you'll know that God is alive in our midst. And we will conquer the seven nations, the Knani, the Chiti, the Chivi, the Prizi, the Girgashi, Morin, Yivusi. The Aron is going to go ahead by Yardain into the Yardain. And not, not all the way, it's going to go into the edge. And I want everyone, each Shevet will have one person designated as their leader. We are not going to find out what they're supposed to do. When the Aron Habrit, Kohanim are carrying it. When they come in, here it's Aron Hashem, into the waters of the Yardin. The sea will split. The water will go down. So it will continue to flow down. But everything that, that has not come into the water for the Jews will stay. It will pile up and up and up. Gemara has a long discussion how high that was. Saw it for miles. It might have been all the way up to the sky. That's how much water, because the Jews have to cross. And the Jordan River continues to flow and to flow and to flow. Okay, it's a lot of water. Yoshua does not say what God told him. God told him, listen, tell them that the that you're going to be great and let them know that the Kohanim are going to put their feet in the water. He adds a part about the 12 people. We're not going to understand exactly what they're doing until, until Parag Dalid. But in the meantime, Yeshua skips over on Pasuk Zion. Does not discuss it even one bit. And the Abayar Benel gives an amazing answer. Makes sense. Simple answer to me. She Yoshua Karal Bene Yisel Shishmuel Varloeim. He says, I want you to listen to the words of God. He refused to say that. Couldn't. How is he going to say, Today I'm going to be great? It just wasn't something that he wanted to say. He could not, with his own mouth, say, I'm the man. I'm amazing. And today you're going to see it. He changes it a little bit to say what's going to happen. Today you're going to see you're going to see that God is in our midst. Not that I'm great, that we're great. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea by Yabar Benel. The Bible says that's why Yoshua says to says to Yomer. By Yomer, Yoshua, he gets them all together. You have to listen to God's words. But then by Yomer, Yoshua, again, it's not exactly God's words that he's sharing. He's sharing his own. But how do we understand this? The idea that those poles over there, that is where all these Jewish people, look at the picture in the bottom left corner. 
Myriads of Jewish people. That's Moshe. By Kriyas Yamsov. That many Jews. Three million Jews between the Badea Arrow. I don't know, the Kohen Gadol fits there. On Yom HaKippurim. Maybe if he were to come in with a few other people, they could also fit. What's going on here? How are we supposed to understand it? We have to understand that the Aaron was a very, very special piece. It was a piece that contained within it the Lucho, Shivrei Lucho. And people felt very, very strongly that the Aaron was a supernatural tool, a weapon of mass destruction. He who possesses the Aron is a person that will win. He'll win everything. He'll win his wars. He'll win his challenges. No one will stand up to him. The message of this parak is, if that's what you think of the Aron, you're very, very wrong. And the Jews will think that in the time of Shaul. And they'll, they're going to take the Aron. And the Aron goes out to battle. They don't win. Because the Aron by itself does not win wars. What is the message of the Aron? The message of the Aron is the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you want to hear God's voice, God's voice emanates from Bein Habadim. Between the poles, between the Kruvim, that is where you hear God's message. The Jewish people didn't need that in the era of Moshe Rabbeinu. In the era of Moshe Rabbeinu, if they needed to hear a God, God spoke to Moshe, God told Moshe, and Moshe shared that with the Jewish people. But not so much anymore. The Aaron was going to be the place to hear God. The Aron was going to travel with them. And as long as they follow the Aron, they will be successful. But it's not to follow the Aron as a tool or a weapon. But it's to follow the message that the Aron has. There's a strange law by the Aron. The Aron is not the only one of the Kalim and the Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan that had Badim. Had poles to carry. The Shulchan had poles. Mizbeach had poles. But the poles for those Kalim came off when it rested in its place. The Mishkan was rebuilt. They took the poles off. They needed the poles to get it from one place to another. But Michael Hatton has a beautiful idea. He says, Why do the poles never come off from the Aron? Even when it's staying in its place. Because the Aron has an unbelievable message to everyone. It is the way, it is the vehicle, it is the weapon, if you will, for the Jewish people to spread the message of God. How does that work? God talks Bein Abadim. Hear it. Listen to it. Absorb it. But then you need to carry the Badei Ha'aron to share that message with the entire people. Is there not a better message for the Jewish people as they are about to enter into Eretz Yisrael? When they were in the desert, they weren't meant to be a nation that would inspire everyone else. They're coming into Eretz Yisrael. This is a land. It is going to be the ancestral home of the Jewish people. But 
We're supposed to be an Orla Gayim with the message of Torah emanating from Eretz Yisrael. How does that work? When we carry the Baden. When we carry the Aron and share that with the nations of the world. So the question now is, okay, we have this miracle. It's a beautiful thing. Do they really need this miracle? Can't they just cross on a bridge? Do they really need that? Now, I I took this picture of um, what the Jordan River looks like for a reason. I, as many of you, when you went to school, probably learned how to draw the map of Israel. I never had a single teacher that tried to teach us how to draw the map of the United States of America. But the map of Israel, I don't know, you learned, you did a couple things, straight line down or a diagonal line, straight line up, you stick in a couple of water, bodies of water, boom, Eretz Yisrael. Great thing. When I taught in Hank, I had a uh, teacher that taught me early on in my days, Yafa. She taught us if you fold a piece of paper, I don't know, in a couple of different ways, make a bunch of dots, you can draw a map of Israel with any student in about two minutes. It's true. It's amazing. It's a good bulletin board project for years. But the Jordan River, it's not go straight down like that. This is actually, if you look at the map, that is what it looks like. I know my pointer is not great, but look at that windy river as it goes down from the Kinaret all the way down to the Dead Sea. There are points where the river is very narrow. Pick a, pick a narrow point and just cross on a bridge. So Ray Hatton does point out that the irrigation projects that we have in Israel to provide water for us and God we're able to drink have decreased its flow by 90%. So when you look at the quote-unquote mighty Jordan River and say, it's not so mighty. It's not so mighty today, but it was much mightier back in the day. Okay, not sure. When Naaman is told that he has to go get rid of Sarat by dipping in the Jordan River, he talks about the rivers back in his country in Aram. And he says, those rivers are really impressive. This one, not so much. It's also important to point out that the Jordan River looks different, different ways, different times of year. When, what are we up to? Yoshua is crossing over in Nisan, talking about the end of March early April, it's the busiest, the, the water is busiest because the snow is melting from the Hermon and from and going through some of the tributaries overflowing into the Jordan River. Its banks are much, much stronger. Perhaps there's another reason. Perhaps the message is, if you're going to do this, go big or go home. You're going to cross over the Jordan River by building a bridge and you're going to send out a bunch of uh, army, the army engineer corps. You're going to build a big bridge and then you send a million people across, three million people across. That's nice. You stop the river, pile it up on Hashemayim, so that anywhere you are in the land of Israel, you see it. That is pretty big. Go big or go home. Another possibility is this is a nail in the coffin. Just as the snow is melting and filling up the banks, any resolve that the local people in Canaan have is melting away as they see that river. We have no chance. The last possibility is, Hashem. do you know what kind of unbelievable message it sends everybody? Look how powerful God is. 
At this point in the story, at this point in the parak, I imagine a lot of people are thinking in their head, I know this story. The crossing over of the Argon. It sounds very, very, very familiar. As we finish up the parak, we have four, four or five psukim. I want to think, what connections do we have between this story and the story of the splitting of the, the, uh, the, the uh, Yamsuf? Kriyas Yamsov is splitting of the Yardin, crossing of the Yardin. What similarities do they have? Think, compile a list. But do yourself a favor. Once you're already thinking about the similarities, just think about the differences. Might help. And so this is our, our map again, as we take a look. They are a Chitim, but they're not a Chitim anymore. They're now at the edge of the river. They're about to cross over. They're going to go to, Ga- to Gilgal. Pasuk Yedal. They leave their tents to cross the Jordan. Who's in front of them? Kohanim. The message. Follow our Kohanim who are holding the Aron Habrit. This is where it's all at. As soon as their feet, Kohanim's feet, hit the water, remember this is the busiest time of year. The water is at, at its fullest. The water stops. That water, which was going down, continues down into the Dead Sea. Remember, we're at the very, very bottom, just right there by Yericho on the map, Dead Sea. That's where the water is. It's ending. But now the water, it goes into one big pillar, Mitzad Sartan. I'm sorry. Sorry that I missed the words. The water goes down. It's a very long nade, but it's not, doesn't start. This pile of water does not start where they are. The water slows down already at Adam. If you look at our map, right under the words Mount Ebal is the city of Adam. Adam is on the, um, the right side of the Jordan River. It's in the area of Ruvain, Garden Chatzishev Menashe. The city that's across from it is Sartan, the blue dot. That's how far up it is. It's pretty, pretty far north, um, perhaps about 25 kilometers north. That means that the, wa- the waterbed is 25 kilometers of empty. It's a lot of space for th- 3 million people to cross over with all of their stuff. And that means that a lot of people in northern Israel are seeing that. And, and the rest of the water goes into the Yam HaMelach. And the people come and camp right by Yericho. And the Kohanim, the carrying, the carry the Aron Habrit of Hashem, end up they're on dry land. I mean, come on, if you're looking for a similarity, it doesn't get any more similar than that. 
And that continues until all the people cross over. Okay. By now, I hope, I hope you've had a chance to come and think of some of the similarities and differences. But before we take a look at that, I'd like to just share a theme that Rabbi Michael Hatton suggests when describing and discussing this parrot. He says, do you know what this, the, this theme is all about? It's a passage. We have other people that have passed through water. In fact, these very same waters, Avram and Yaakov. Avram, when he's coming into the land of Canaan, Yaakov, it's a time of transformation. They're not the same people as they cross over these waters once again. Avram, he left. He's Avram Ivri crossed over that water, maybe the water up there. But when he crosses over, he's no longer the same person. He's now going to be Avram Goyim. Yaakov, he goes from being a single guy on the run to a whole family, a nation almost. There is transformation for Klaliusol when they cross the Yardain and when they cross the Yamsuf. And that is a beautiful theme that we're going to have. But let's take a look at the different the similarities first. Dry land, Harava, they're crossing over from one place to another. They're at the edge. They're waiting at the edge of Yamsuf. What's going to happen? They're waiting here, and the Kohanim walk in, and they're able to cross in. They move forward. You have to go. You can't look backwards. The Jews can't look back at the Egyptians, or they'll perish. The Jews can't look back here. Because their future is in Eretz Canaan, not Me'ever Liam. And there is an exalting moment for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're both Kiddush Hashem's. Those are the similarities. And there's one last one. And yes, if you're looking at the screen, you see it's bolded and it's underlined. So clearly it's important. Both times the Jews could have avoided the water altogether. The Jews did not have to go to Yamsuf. Had they chosen, they could have gone up the Via Maris, the highway that would take them through Egypt to what now is the Gaza Strip. They would have ended up around the Plishti cities of Israel. God says, I don't want that. They also don't have to go through the water here. We know from Paragbet that they're Mavrot. There are bridges. They could have crossed over those. Why is it that Hashem is insistent that they go through the water? Those are our similarities. What about our differences? Our dif differences are the distance to the final destination. There, they end up in the middle of the desert. Here, they come to Eretz Israel. They're ready. Yamsuf is reactive. They're stuck. Hashem, what do you want us to do? They dive in. Hashem says, move forward. Yardin is proactive. There's a plan. And they're going to just go. You go and just do it. Yamsuf, the Jews have no idea what's going to happen. Hashem says to Moshe, tell them to travel. What are they going to do? What's going to happen to the water? They don't know. Just move. Yardin, the plan is revealed ahead of time. Kwanim are going to go, follow them, the water will split. But probably the most important difference is that by Yamsuf, the Jews panicked. They're crying, they're screaming, they're terrified. The Egyptians are on their tail. Here, they're a disciplined nation, 
with an army ahead of them, ready to conquer the land. Rabbi Hatton says something beautiful. He says that despite the transformation after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and the Jews make, it's a big deal. A lot, of, a lot of stuff happens. Despite that transformation, they had a long trip ahead to get rid of their slave mentality and secure their real freedom. They needed to go to Har Sinai and get the Torah. They needed a year at Sinai perhaps to learn the Torah and to integrate the message of the Torah to become a nation. That they had to do. But it took 40 years was unfortunate, but it would have still taken some time. The Jews were not going to just leave that quickly. That's what happened there. But now they're ready. There's no delay. There's no break. They are ready to conquer. I'd like to suggest perhaps that you could take Rabbi Hatton one step further. By Mitzrayim, there were two goals when they crossed Yamsuf. Scare the world. Melt their heart. Let them know that Hashem is all-powerful. Go home, go big. Go big, go big or go home. Kiddush Hashem. Melt their hearts. It's all part of the psychological warfare outward towards the nations of the world. But also, the people have to move on from Mitzrayim. They have to do all that. They have to move from their past to be able to move forward. But that's not the case here. Here, the Jewish people are in a good place. They are ready. And therefore, they have to to go through the water not to transform themselves. But it's because they need to scare the nation of Canaan. Say, we're coming. We have a Kaddish Baruch Hu on our side. And it is going to be something unbelievable. Next week in Yerzashem, we will continue Perek Dalit and, and try to understand what the deal is with those 12 people. We'll find out what they do. Shavua Tov. Have a wonderful week. As always, I appreciate your feedback. Thank you for joining us. And uh, continue learning.